We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. Amen. For those that are joining us online today, we welcome you. We're excited to have you with us. We are in the middle of our Simply Christmas series. Last week, I taught probably the most unorthodox Christmas story ever as I taught it out of Paul at Athens about the unknown God, and hopefully you can catch up on that. How many enjoyed that last week? That was something something a little different. I'm going to go back to a little bit more traditional today as we dive into the story that I'm calling Lessons from the Magi. Lessons from the Magi. Um, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about with this Simply Christmas is really about simplifying Christmas, peeling back the layers, getting back to this raw, authentic version of Christmas. That doesn't mean that Christmas morning you've got to, you know, go out and spend the morning in a manger. It just means that we should really consider the things that we're cluttering our life with on a time where it should be very, very simple. Now, before you go, oh, this is a guy that doesn't buy presents for his kids. Stop it. Of course, I buy presents for, I'm a big kid. I get presents too, okay? This is the reality of life. But what I will say is that I do think, you know, sometimes we can overcomplicate things and they can actually distract us from things that are most important. Has anyone ever been to uh, a, one of those uh, paint bars where they're teaching you how to paint and you've got a big canvas and there's a big group of people and you've become a student and you walk in? My wife and I have done this. That's why I'm asking. And uh, we're there and they explain to you how, how you're going to make this beautiful scene and how you can go from not being a painter at all to being a Picasso, you know? Mine was pretty messed up like Picasso, as you can imagine. <clears throat> reflects the painter, right? No. <laughs> yes, I did just, it's okay. So anyway, the problem is that sometimes when we're, when we're creating the picture, we can get so focused on every little square inch being magnifico, being excellent, being, uh, you know, perfecto, being amazing. We want it all to just be, mwah, yes? And so as you begin to paint, you're, you're overdoing the sunset because you want it to be amazing, and you're overdoing this. And, and by the time you finish with the painting, sometimes you can overdo it to the point that you lose the object that was supposed to be the hero. Are you getting me? Let me say it in this way. I like to party. I love eating ice cream. And uh, I don't know about you, but for me, ice cream is about the toppings just as much as it about the ice cream. You know what I'm talking about. Any Sprinkles or Jimmy's fans out there? Yeah, that's, that's, that's like, you know, kindergarten stuff. We go into like hot fudge, right? I'm a peanut butter guy, right? And sometimes I, I, I like to party, so I'll add marshmallow topping on that too. You know what I'm saying? But you know what goes good with peanut butter? Sometimes strawberries go good with peanut butter when they're in jam form, right? But when I eat strawberries, sometimes I like pineapple too because uh, they belong on the same, you know, fruit salad. But when you do it on ice cream, my taste buds revolt. They tell me that I should have edited something because now I've lost the hero that should have been the ice cream. I should have edited. I should have considered the ingredient list. Church my focus on Simply Christmas is editing the list that we can overdo in losing Jesus in the Christmas season. I want us not to lose Jesus, because if it's not about Jesus, then where's the Christ in Christ Mass? 
That's where Christmas came from, the gathering together, the mass that come together to celebrate Christ's birth. I want us to simplify Christmas. That doesn't mean that you can't have your fun gatherings. That's part of it. I get it. But let's, you know, I, I told you, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit has been convicting me on certain things because you guys know I'm a shopper. For all those men that think that's uncool, it's called urban hunting. Okay? I'm hunting for that deal. All right? And so uh, what I will tell you is that in the midst of my Good Friday shopping, I realized, I kind of had that moment like where, you kind of like, am I going to direct just as much attention on Jesus as I just did the amount of hours that I spent looking for the perfect gift? You know, those, those convicting moments that I feel, and they could have been just for me, but then I let you have in on it too. You know, I just, I feel like that's what a good pastor does. But I'll, I'll tell you this. I believe it's easy this time of year to overdo it. We can say yes to so many things. It deludes the simple beauty of the season. Let's continue to peel back the layers and allow Christmas to stand on its own, right? So let's, let's consider doing some edits, right? Because what I'm saying is I want to simplify Christmas in such a way I have such a super concentrated dose of what Christmas is all about before I allow the world to sell me on all it's not. So today we will extract some wisdom, some simple thoughts from the story of the three wise men, or AKA royal astrologers, AKA in Greek, the magi, in, uh, in, in some of the historian focus, the three kings. Um, you know, what I wanna do is simply extract from the story of Matthew. You can call him what you want. I'm gonna call him the magi just because it sounds fun. Francisco, that's fun to say, magi, right? So we're gonna start writing Matthew two together. Here we go. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. Why? Because he was the king, and he just heard there was another king birthed in, or born in his province. That's something to be alarming for a king, right? Encroachment is what that feels like. So, uh, so uh, when he heard this, and as was everyone else in Jerusalem, he called the meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, those wise guys, right? And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back to me and tell me so I can go and worship him too, right? What, the, what King Herod was saying is, come back and tell me because I'm going to make a hit on that guy. I don't know, maybe he was mafia. But <laughs> it goes on to say this. <laughs> After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was born. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child, his mother, uh, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Why? The dream was to protect Jesus, right? And so as I read through this story, there are just some simple things that I think will help us uh, simplify Christmas when we learn from the Magi. You know, number one, Christmas is about discovering the greatest gifts. The greatest gift. I know that when it comes to Christmas, we're always looking for the perfect gift. We're, we're looking for the, the one that could change everything, right? Uh, maybe somebody is about to propose and they're looking for that perfect ring, right? Got to put a ring on it, so to speak. They're looking for the perfect gift. What I know is that Christmas isn't about what we buy and what we give. It's about what God gave. See, although we may go and we may shop and search for the most perfect gift, but inevitably, if it's not about what God gave to us, then we're messing it up a little bit. Does that mean I can't get nice things from, I don't know, Pier 1? I can say them because they're gone, right? <laughs> but it's not that we can't get nice things for other people, but it's about understanding the greatest gift, the point, the purpose of Christmas. In Matthew 2, it said, where is the newborn king of the Jews? These wise men were searching. They were looking to discover the greatest gifts. Some may say, well, that's not very deep. I already know Jesus. Okay, let me go a little deeper for you right now. Where is the newborn king showing in your life? Because this should be a personal thing. When I received Jesus, it wasn't to have him as like cornbread on the side. Jesus is better than cornbread. Cornbread's pretty good, though. <laughs> but listen, when we accept Jesus into our life, he becomes the star of the dish. He's the whole thing. He, that's what it's about. So oftentimes when people say, oh, yeah, no, I, I believe in Jesus, but you got a big but. I cannot lie. All I'm simply saying is that it's Jesus or bust. Right? Why do you guys come to this church? Take a drink. Oh, man. So they came looking for the newborn king. I'm asking you. Do people have to search hard to find the newborn king? Or can they discover the greatest gift in you? This is what Christmas makes me think about. It's about people discovering the greatest gift. And we, we unpacked it last week, didn't we? Last week we talked so much about how God... The whole point of Christmas was for him to come near to us, to draw near, right? To give us proximity, right? To give us a reference point for... He didn't want it any longer to be generation to generation. He wanted to come and set the record straight on who he was, what his grace and mercy looked like, and once and for all, take care of sin. Roll the sin from the beginning of mankind and the sin that has not yet been created and roll it all into one big snowball and put it on the back of Jesus to let him take it once and for all. So Christmas is like the first domino that had to fall in order for what? The cross, the empty grave, and my cloud lack that'll be coming someday. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. Jesus coming on the clouds. I like Cadillacs. Cloud lack. 
or Chadillac. So listen, where is the newborn king showing in your daily life? Christmas isn't just about discovering or rediscovering the greatest gifts. It's that, which of course is God drawing near to us, right? But sharing the gift that Jesus is for all who come to him. That is the amazing thing. After all, it was Jesus who said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, so, uh, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, God, he didn't just give Jesus to a few. He gave Jesus to all, but only a few said yes. That's what Christmas is about. It's a reminder that, man, Jew or Gentile, no matter where you're from, no matter whether you had a full deck or a half a deck, or maybe you're a few crayons short of the box, Jesus is for you too. Is my life showing the God I know? That's a question I have. Is my life showing the God I know? I know it's not easy to stand for something, but when you truly believe, you will stand even if you stand alone. Am I showing the God I know the greatest gift is that God came near to me? Do my friends experience God when they're near me? Not because of who I am, but because of who God is in me, right? Number two, Christmas is about shining a light on Jesus. See, if if you discovered the greatest gift ever, would you not look to share it with the world? Right? Yet, yet so often, right? So often our world doesn't know what, or more importantly, the why behind the who we treasure. You know, what, what, what boggles my mind is after 36 years Metro Church has been in this community, sometimes people say, ah, I never knew you were here. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's what the little kid inside me does. But normally what happens out here is like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. We're not trying to be the best kept secret in the community. But community, after all, it's us that share Jesus to our friends and our family. The best marketing campaign a church has is healthy family talking about their family, right? So I, but it draws, I always go back to the personal, okay, how better can I make sure people know where they can find the king? Because if one thing I can tell you for sure, I don't want to be a hidden gem in our community or region. I don't want to be digging wells in India like we are right now while people two miles away don't know we exist. But how do we change that church? We shine a light on Jesus. We allow Jesus to shine through us, right? Matthew 2, 9 and 10 says, And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Look, many know the star rose in the east and led the Magi to the place where Jesus was, right? Especially if you've heard the story read. Uh, my wife and I, we were just um, at Epcot the other day because how many know you invest in your relationship and it was date day and we happened to be in Florida and my wife was like, let's go to Disney. And I was like, that'd be, we'd be awful parents going to Disney without our kids. Let's go, <laughs> you know, okay. And so, but what was amazing there is actually, if you're not familiar with it, 
there's like different countries and you walk the world. And when we got to America, they had this beautiful candlelight processional happening and they had a a celebrity reading the Christmas story and uh, lifting up the name of Jesus. And then all this beautiful singing that was coming with all these amazing carols. And uh, I was like, say it again, Jesus, say it again, Jesus, say it again. I got all excited about it. But I'll tell you, we act as though sometimes that our relationship with Jesus is just too private. We act like, no, I'm going to keep Jesus like my politics. Liars! You talk way more about politics than you do Jesus. If people talked about Jesus the last five years, they've talked about their political stance, the world would know. I'm just saying. I was excited. I was excited the fact that they, somebody was proclaiming the name of Jesus even inside those, the, the park walls. But I'll tell you, we have a community and a region, a city that needs to know Jesus, but we act as though it's a private thing. Your faith should not be private. That's what the devil would want you to believe because he doesn't want to see you multiply or make any good happen for God. He doesn't want to see you do anything good. So he's going to make you feel as though you just need to hush and sit down. You need to throat punch the devil and take back the ground that God gave you. We're called to shine a light. See, in the same way that the Magi, wise men and women, or I'm I'm saying nowadays, the wise men and women that are seeking to find a king, we want our lives to shine a light so bright it draws them to ask us where they can find the king. We know the story of the, the, the star that rose in the east, but we don't realize that actually our lives are supposed to parallel that and draw people to the Son of God. Hello. See it a little differently right now. Understand that you were caused to create a great stir. You were caused to create a great effect, to create a, uh, a light, a spotlight in the middle of a search party. The world is searching for something more, and you know what that is. Let's not allow commercialism to steal the reason for the season. Again, my goal is to shine Jesus so bright the world around me, or at least the wise men and women around me, ask where to find the king. Number three, Christmas is about giving the perfect gifts, right? We already talked about discovering the perfect gift, which is Jesus. But, but you know, I love that little pa-rum-pum-pum-pum song. I play my drum for you, pa-rum-pum-pum-pum. What, what's the whole point of the song? The whole point is, what, what gift do I bring to a king? What on earth could I give a king? You know, I, and oftentimes we find ourselves going, well, what on earth do I give the one that gave me everything? Well, what I love is I learned directly from these three wise men on how to be wise on bringing gifts back to God. It says in verse 2, we're kind of dissecting this one verse. Where's the newborn king Jesus, we said, right? Discovering uh, king of the Jews. We were discovering the, the gift. Then we saw his star as it rose. We want to be the light that shines. But look at here uh, <clears throat> on Jesus. And then it says, we have come to worship him. The perfect gift fit for a king is our worship. It's our honor. It's bringing praise and glory and worshiping the king of kings. Christmas without worshiping Christ is simply not celebrating Christmas. We have grown up oftentimes, you know, um, as, a, as a youth pastor for, a youth and young adults pastor for 15 years, I, I was able to see and experience a lot of 
uh, young people who celebrated Christmas without Christ because it was just commercialized, right? It was just something that everyone wants to be a part because it, it sweeps the world, but yet they were doing it without Christ and understanding that actually they were fed something fraudulent. And that's not to speak ill of parents. They're doing the best they can, and they may not know. But at the same time, I kind of go, I don't want any parent that my kids are friends with not to have at least had an opportunity to ask me a question about the king so that they may know what they might not know right now. <laughs> Going to that personal level again, are you hearing me? So, so what I do know, though, is celebrating Christmas without worshiping Christ, it's kind of like you're going, you say you're going to honor someone for their birthday by not attending their birthday party or getting them a gift while still claiming they're your bestie. It's kind of awkward. Matthew 2.11, it says, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Look, the amount of time that we scurry looking for the perfect gifts for our friends and our families, you know, we, we spend so much time wanting to, and I have no problem with gift giving. We do that. We, I actually train our kids and help them understand, look, we give because God gave first. It's part of continuing on the generosity and continuing to sow in relationship. Look, I get all of that. But I'll tell you, we need to make sure that as much effort as we run around searching for the perfect gift, we don't withhold the perfect gift to our king. It's about worshiping God. It's about worshiping it. Now, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are saying, phew, I thought that preacher was going to bring up money. Well, let me finish. <laughs> let me help you understand what worship is. The Bible tells us worshiping is in, with spirit and truth, in spirit and truth, right? We also know worship is in both word and deed. What am I trying to say? Worship is not just singing little baby Jesus a song and carrying on. Worship is also not, you know, we didn't also see the wise men just simply Venmo Christ and go about their holiday season. How much? Okay. It's word and deed. What do we see? We see they entered the house. It says that they, were, they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave of gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. It was both word and deed. See, oftentimes we, we can check a list. And believe me, if, if, if you're one of the Christmasters, you know, you know what I'm talking about? People that only come to church at Christmas and Easter. Um, I'm not saying don't come to church. <laughs> but what I am saying is let's consider the God that loves us so much is worth more than two dates a year. You know, I really believe, how do you get, go back to Pahrumpa Pum Pum, how do you figure out what, what on earth you give to a king? Obedience. The greatest honor you go back and, and you look at history, the greatest honor to any king was just people that loved them and were obedient to, to their kingship. In this situation, man, our king of kings, this is the God above everything. I mean, there's no other name above Jesus, above or beneath the earth. Hello? How much more should we make sure that we are bringing the perfect gifts and bringing worship to our king? So no, this isn't a tithe and offering talk, but a sober reminder that we are to worship in both word and deed. Yes? And number four, because I'm running out of time, and I stepped on too many toes right there. Christmas is about remembering God gave first. Whenever it comes to generosity, we remember that God never told us 
what to do until he showed us how to do it. I need you to think about that. See, everyone goes, well, it's easy for someone to say forgive before the person's ever apologized. That's what Jesus did. He died on a cross before we ever asked. Well, it's easy to make things right when, when someone else makes the first move. God came to us. He made the first move. That manger scene is so much more than what we make it out to be. It's always beautiful on the cards. It's always beautiful in the movies. But the reality was, and we'll talk a little bit more about this next, next message, but it was a place where God revealed he was willing to come and get dirty for the sake of us. See, wise men and women are still seeking to bring God honor, but we must realize it was God who showed us what that looks like. He brought the first gift. He showed us how to do everything he's asked us to do. How many think, uh, you know, oftentimes, I mean, I'm so thankful for, for my parents. I've got amazing, I know how blessed I am to have the parents I have because I know how many of my good friends don't have uh, amazing figure roles in their life or, or role models in their life, so to speak. And so I honor my parents for that. But what I'll tell you is God has always showed us what it looked like to do it right, regardless of what your earthly parents have done. He has always showed us the playbook on how to do it right. God always gives first. He always shows first and then says, now you do it. So I just want to help you today. Maybe this Christmas season isn't the, the most jolly fa-ra-ra-ra-ra time for you. You'll get that later. Maybe, maybe when it comes down to your family situation, you feel like it's broken and it's hard to really get into the Christmas season. It's because you've allowed other things to alter what Christmas is about. I love that I can honor God in the mo moment of honoring my family during Christmas, but Christmas isn't about your earthly family as much as it is your spiritual family. And so if we can just remind ourselves that Jesus, God, robed himself in flesh and came as the most humble being that could not take care of himself at all. There's not, a, you know, uh, my brother Brent was up here last week encouraging us for a little while, and he said, how much more humble can you get? A child cannot do anything for themselves. And all the parents said amen to that. But yet God humbled himself and came in that sort of way to be able to be relatable, to connect with us. And so we need to remember God gave first. So although Christmas is not driven by giving and receiving of material gifts, we do teach our kids that we exchange gifts because it reminds us of God's generosity and how he gave to us first. It keeps the generous spirit of God active as we remember the day the earth received the greatest gift, which was God in flesh. Emmanuel, God is with us. Amen? So look at Quick review. Christmas is about discovering the greatest gift, which is Jesus, that he drew near. Christmas is about shining a light on Jesus, like the star, being able to help people find the king. Number three, Christmas is about giving the perfect gift. What's that perfect gift? It's worshiping in word and deed the King of Kings. And lastly, number four, Christmas is about remembering God gave first. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send into the world, his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Look what it says next. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Church, there's only one name that we lift up. And that's the name of Jesus. There's no other road that leads to heaven. And I know that is so not politically correct, but I so don't care. Um, and it's not because I'm trying to be rebellious. It's because if there is something true, then something else has to be false. If God draws a line, then the line has been drawn. And it's not me who drew the line. But to not acknowledge it would be condemnation on myself. So what am I doing? I'm just trying to present to you the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And what is that? The fact that God made a way for you and I to have real relationship with him again. Our sin separated us from God from the very beginning. And what God did by sending Jesus, when Jesus died on that cross for us, that cross became the bridge that we could walk across again to have relationship with him. That's why Jesus said, there's no other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to God. Nobody comes to heaven except through me. He's the doorway. I just present the truth, but it's between you and God. You have to take inventory of your hearts. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to tell you, Jesus came with strings attached. And so many people would see that as a negative thing. It's not. Actually, when we hold on to Jesus, he lifts us out of the miry clay. He allows us to get to new levels. The thing that I'm most excited about is when I accept Jesus, God no longer sees me through my sin, but through his son. And because of that, it changes everything. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to say a simple prayer. And I want to know, could I include you in that prayer? Where you sit, maybe you're driving, listening to this on a podcast. Maybe you're at home streaming right now, wherever you are, God knows your address. We hope you have enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.